0: Let me bid you a warm welcome to our family service this afternoon. It's good to see each and every one of you here, and we trust the Lord will bless. It's good to see some friends in from Bambridge Baptist as well, and we trust the Lord will bless you both as you fellowship with us here at Grange today. Brian says to me this morning from Banbridge, he says, I'm here to make sure you're still on the street and Hour. <laughs> So he'll put me right afterwards if I'm not. Uh, let me just read the verse with you before we... Uh, or opening him, it's found in Revelation, in chapter 1 and verse 17, and these are words you'll know well, it says there, in John that is speaking, this is the vision that he had, and he says, when I saw him, that's the Lord, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Behold, I am alive forevermore. We're going to sing a hymn of rejoicing. It's rejoice and be glad the Redeemer has come. I'll come up on the screen and of course the little refrain at the end of every verse it says he lives again. We have reason to rejoice today. We're going through the book of Philippians, that book of joy, and here's a hymn that we can lift our hearts to the Lord and rejoice that we're saved and we know the Lord Jesus Christ is Saviour. We'll stand and sing after the introduction.
1: our Father, and we come, even as our hearts have already been rejoicing in that land that was slain, our Father, we come before you, recognizing that he, the Lord Jesus Christ, was that one who came into this world, who lived that sinless life, who we went to that cross, and our Father, we praise your name, the one that has resurrected the first fruits, even as the resurrection is now seated at your right hand. And our Heavenly Father, even as that hymn reminds us, our Father, one day, he's coming again, our heavenly yes. Father, we think even our own hearts, our Father, that it must be sinned. as we look at the world around us, our Father, a world uh, that has lost, our heavenly Father, a, lo- a world uh, that travels in its own uh, evil direction, our heavenly Father, but we come before you this morning, our heavenly Father, and we thank you that even this morning, our Father, we have hope within our hearts, we have that spirit within our hearts, born from the Lord Jesus Christ, even into our own lives, and our Father, we thank you that we have a message of hope even for a lost and for a dying world, uh, even today, our Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ come into this world uh, to die for sinners, of whom I am chief. And, our uh, Father, we come before you and we thank you for the message of the gospel, our Father. We thank you for the worship and the praise that we can raise onto your name. And, our uh, Father, we thank you for this time, even that we can gather this morning to spend uh, time around your word, our Father, as a fellowship together, as you seek to lead us and you seek to guide us, even from your word this morning. And, our uh, Father, to that end, we pray, uh, even for Peter this morning as he comes before us, uh, even to raise uh, that uh, message to our hearts that he has prepared even this study for us, and our Father, we just pray that as he comes to the platform, our Father, that you will give him great power, great liberty, our Father, to proclaim even the unsearchable riches of Christ, and our Father, give us understanding hearts, our Father, give us, uh, a of ears, give us uh, those lives our heavenly Father that will reflect that word, our Father, will take it into our hearts, our heavenly Father, and act upon it, even in the week uh, that we have entered into. And our Father, even for our gathering this morning, our Father, around the table where uh, we gather that special time even to remember the Lord Jesus Christ and all uh, that he has done and accomplished on our behalf, our Father, we just pray that you'll be with us in a very special way, that uh, only is present, even as we gather together as a fellowship, our Father, that you will be with us. that very real, very tangible way even as we meet around even your word and around the table and raise our praises to you this morning. But our Father, as we gather, as we thank you even for the sustaining grace that even finds us in this place, our Father, we remember many uh, from our fellowship, our Father, we cannot even meet with us this morning. And our Father, we thank, uh, uh, thank you even for your... Uh, care even for them in these recent days, and our father, we thank you, thank particularly of uh, Bertie and mourning and our father, we come before you. Uh, these days of sadness, our father, we just uh, lift them up before you again, even uh, in the arms of the faith. Our father, and just pray that you'll be very close, and very dear, uh, and very dear to them the even in these days, and that they would even know, uh, even that God of all comfort, our heavenly father, the one uh, who can pour in that oil of joy for morning, even and uh, these days of loss of their, their son. And our Father, we just pray that you'll be with that entire family circle, our Father, there, uh, even to bless, and even, our Father, in your will, even to, uh, as a witness, as Ferdinand Morgan, even witness our heavenly Father, even to see uh, some other family members, our Father, come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Father, we just uh, uphold even, Sammy and in these days, and Elsie, our Father, and the Rainy Brothers, and some who cannot even gather with us. Our father in these days and we just pray that uh, even this morning as we meet together they will know a real sense of your presence even uh, with them even in their own homes our father we just pray your blessing upon us uh, this morning Our, we pray your blessing upon us here we pray your blessing upon those who cannot even meet with us our father and just pray that uh, all that's done this morning will be for your glory and your honor because we ask these things in our savior's precious and work worthy name amen amen
0: Bill for opening our service in prayer today. Let me just take a moment to give the necessary announcements for the incoming week. As I've said already, it's good to see each one of you, and we trust the Lord will bless us as we meet in this place this afternoon. Also, if you listen in online, maybe now or live or maybe later on you watch our video, we thank you for tuning in, and we trust that you'll be blessed as you watch in to our service. After the conclusion of this part of our service will meet around the Lord's table. And if you're saved and walking in fellowship with the Lord, we invite you to remain behind and to remember the Lord in the way which He has appointed. And don't forget this evening. We have a very special service this evening another one of our children's gospel services when god willing Colin intensely will be alone to share with the boys and girls we do plan and stay staying for supper after, after the service there will be a time of prayer before the service please note the earlier time as it's a special evening we're going to pray at 6 30 p.m for a short time rather than 6 40 p.m so 6 30 p.m don't need me and um, it will be good to see a few of you at 6 40 to pray that takes us right into Wednesday with the Little Ones touch group will meet at 10 a.m. And then, God willing, on Wednesday evening, we're going to begin studies in the tabernacle Then later on in the high priestly garments and the study. And we'll be doing our studies at 8 p.m. on Wednesday evening at our Bible study and prayer meeting. God willing, I'm going to be off from next Saturday. Uh, the 4th of march and we'll be back in action on monday the 13th of march and if you require any pastoral care during that time uh, don't hesitate to get in touch with bill i will be available by phone, but i'll be out of the country um, but if you're in need of any pastoral care get in touch with bill or feeling that of course any of the office bearers the next lord's day ten thirty a.m the sunday school and bible class meet 12 noon family service and breaking of bread and god willing nachel kissick will be alone to minister and then 7pm the gospel service when again Nigel will be alone to preach the gospel. God willing um, on Saturday the 18th of March there will be a men's breakfast so men if you prepare for that I'm sure you can think of many that you could invite alone to come on that day. It's a great evangelical effort, uh, evangelistic effort and God willing Joseph Kennaway Uh, we'll be doing the epilogue on that particular occasion. That will be another busy weekend. We like doing it all at once in weekends, don't we? Um, Because on Sunday the 19th of March we'll be having one of our special family and friends evenings with Kales. Kales, a missionary to the Congo. A couple of years ago you may have seen her in the news. Um, She was shot so she was out in the Congo and she was brought back in cover and she still goes out to the Congo to this day from time to time and she's in her 80s. Um, a great, great woman um, and Maud will be alone to share her testimony and a family and friends evening on Sunday the 19th of March. So that's an occasion that you can be thinking of people to bring along and to hear Maud's testimony and what the Lord has done with her life. Uh, there will be leaflets for Maud, Maud's um our family and friends evening with Maud and we'll make them available on Wednesday night and you avail of those and invite people and you know it might take you to take someone out for a coffee a few times or to show a bit of interest and to go round to their house and spend time with them or to have them for dinner or to even go and get them and bring them to the meeting. But it takes us to build relationships now and to get these folks out to the meeting. So you do that and let's each make an effort to bring someone along. Indeed, what a great story to listen to. Uh, of course, all of these announcements are made subject to the will of the Lord, as always. Well, it's always good to see the boys and girls out on a Sunday morning, and I thought we'd better get warmed up for tonight, boys and girls. So I brought my guitar out, and we're going to sing a few children's courses. Some of these aren't the, these aren't pieces we're doing <laughs> the same thing but these are pieces that we know well. We're going to sing the one that we learned ages ago. Um, Which is great fish fishing bread, but we'll warm up with He made the stars to shine first. Um, let me see, is there anyone who knows the actions who would like to come up? Anyone who knows the actions? I see, there's Ada, come on up. And there is it, was Sophie's hand up. Is the Sophie's hand up? You coming up? Come on up. Come on up. Sophie, don't be He made the stars to shine like that there. You both to put your hands nice and tight so everybody can see. You can keep everything let me know if anybody's not doing it, we'll bring them up to you, especially the adults. All right, here we go. We'll sing after two. After two. One, two. He will- Next one that we learned a wee while ago. Who took fish and bread? Who took fish and bread? Hungry people said, I'll take it up one, I think. Or else we'll be down, down, down. Let's sing it after two. One, two. That's still quite low. Hold on, I <laughs> Don't have these singers in here this morning. Here we go. After two.
2: One, two. Who took fish and bread? Hungry people fed.
0: Sacrifice, and he did all this because he loves you. And the final piece we're going to sing is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We'll sing this one out. This is one that everybody knows very well. After two,
2: one, two. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so.
0: We're to sing our hymn of the month. This will be the last time in February we sing it, and the next time we meet in Wednesday it will be March. So we're going to sing this particular one. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has numbered every green of sand? Kings and nations, tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. We'll stand and sing after the introduction. That if he found any of this way, that is those who are seen, whether they were men or women, might bring them behind unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, So, so why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the press. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the it. and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. Turn with me to Philippians 2, please, in one verse in Philippians 2, the verse 8. Philippians 2 and the verse 8. Of course, this is the speaking of our Saviour. We've spent great time in these particular verses in chapter 2, but we're just a reading from verse 8 of chapter 2. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, it says, And being found in fastness, a man who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then finally, Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3 we'll just read those verses we considered last Lord's Day, and we'll read down through to verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is it. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof off, he might trust in the flesh, I more. And here are one of the occasions when Paul gives his testimony in Scripture. We read in Acts, with Paul's conversion, when it actually happens. Here's Paul giving his testimony in the Philippians to the Acts. He says, I was circumcised in the eighth day, verse 5 of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, which is in the law, blameless. Paul says, as a Jew, I was blameless. I lived as best as I possibly could. He says, I lived by the law, I lived to the T, I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the best there was. But look at verse 7, he says, but what things were gained to me, those things, all those works that I was doing, all those things which were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this afternoon. The last time we visited this letter, we considered the opening verses of chapter 3. There was an exhortation to rejoice in the Lord. has been the theme of our opening hymn today, Rejoice and be glad the Redeemer has come. And Truly, as we read these verses, we see Paul's exhortation. It wasn't just to rejoice, but it was to rejoice in the Lord, and that's where true rejoicing is found. If we're to truly rejoice in this life, we must be found in Christ, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we explored that thought last Lord's Day. Paul warned the church that we needed to beware of dogs and evil workers, those who were infiltrating the church and sowing division and sowing confusion among the church. And we mentioned a few names last day that we must. Be aware of and i'll just mention one again uh, remember francis chan is due to come and i encourage you not to go and hear that man he is a, he is a dog and he is not teaching the truth finally we were encouraged to worship the lord in spirit and in truth now i wish that we could read the account of acts chapter 9 as if for the first time reading it this morning it's an absolutely amazing account it's the most extraordinary story, you you would have, as you read it, if it had happened to you, if you had been in Saul's shoes, it would have been the most extraordinary event. The story of how Saul, the self-righteous Pharisee, as he describes himself in these verses in Philippians, met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he had this, this journey that he made to Damascus that had the most life-transforming effect and anything could have happened. to him. You see, Saul was the last person that people would have thought would have met the Lord Jesus. The Christians could hardly believe him. In fact, neither could Saul himself. First of all, there was a great light from heaven that knocked him off his mule. And then out of the light came a living voice. He then knew that he was meeting a supernatural person. And as if it hadn't shocked Saul enough, the voice from heaven called out and asked Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And that may have given Saul enough of a shock. But then the voice asked Saul why he was persecuting him. The voice told Saul that it was Jesus who he was speaking with. And it was more than Saul could bear. What effect did this vision of the Lord have on Saul? Well, if you know Saul's story, you'll know that it changed him in the most amazing way. Mm And Saul was never slow in later years to tell about the effect that this vision had upon his life. Of course his name was changed to Paul. And Paul is the writer to the Philippians. And Paul was always sharing his personal experience with regards to the matter of his own salvation. He gives his testimony in five separate occasions in the New Testament. Twice in the book of Acts. Then in the letter to the Galatians, chapters 1 and 2, then in, the sto- then in the story of his inner struggles in Romans 7, and then again in a really comprehensive testimony in his letter to the Philippians here in chapter 3. And each time he presents his testimony, he presents it from a different angle. Now, we've read this in Philippians, and it gives us a, de- a deep look into Paul's vision in the road to Damascus. And we see that for Paul, that he is able to say of the Lord Jesus Christ with the little chorus, He is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything, both great and small. He gave his life for me and made everything new. And as you listen to this testimony of Paul's, there's no doubt about it that this was a life change. When Paul met the Lord Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, he had a vision of and trusted in the work of the crucified Christ. And he became a child of God. He became a Christian. There's no doubt about it. In the account that Dr. Luke writes in the book of Acts, he simply records what was heard and what was seen and what took place. Luke couldn't tell us about the change in Paul spiritually, so he just gives us the facts that he knows. But we know without a shadow of a doubt, That at this very moment that Paul was saved from sin and from hell. It's obvious because by the time you get to verse 11 in Acts, Saul is praying. By the time you get to verse 15, he's called to be an apostle. By the time you get to verse 20, he's proclaiming the Lord Jesus everywhere. And he is saying that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God. Now someone who isn't converted doesn't do that. So we know that Paul was converted, but he doesn't ever say anything about what he was thinking in the book of Acts or what was on his mind. And what we find in Philippians, where we have read, is what went on in Paul's mind that day on the road to Damascus. He had this vision of the crucified Lord Jesus Christ, and he had three days to consider. And here are the things that he came to understand. He understood that there was a man who came down. He understood there was a man that came down, the man coming down. Paul was blind for three days. And in those days, I believe, he began to understand. Now, of course, by the time he was writing the letter to the Philippians, he had had many years to mature. But we see that Paul fully understood what the Lord Jesus Christ gave up for him. And the Lord Jesus came down from glory. And we see Paul's vision in Philippians 2. I remember these verses being taught years ago at a children's meeting. And I remember how they washed over me afresh. And they're, they're some of the most beautiful verses in scripture. We've studied them at length. But I just want to know two things about them very quickly before we move on today and we read them already in verse. of these words paul says of the lord jesus christ he was the man coming and he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross and paul realized firstly that christ emptied himself the lord jesus gladly emptied himself of his visible glory and he took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. This is what was going on in Paul's vision that day. When he, when he went and he sat down and he had those three days to ponder that meeting with the risen Christ. He sat and he thought about the, how the Lord emptied himself. Took on the form of the servant, made in the likeness of man. Imagine the God of our universe stepping down as low as this, thinks Paul, in his blindness. that's the incredible message of Christianity. It's not the same as other religions. In other parts of the world you watch people trying to appease a God. So he won't be angry with them. In evangelical Christianity you see our God, the one true and living God, looking down in wretched sinners who hate him and are his enemies and God willingly yields up his privileges to come down for their sake. What humility! It begins with the unselfishness of the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. And here we see the man Christ Jesus coming down. And Paul understood this for the very first time. It's because of your sin and mine that Christ came. What did the Lord Jesus empty himself? of? he emptied himself of his heavenly glory. He dove into the water and went all the way down to the black cold water where the slime and ooze of this world is. And that's why he cries out in John 17, Lord Jesus, and says, Father, restore me to the glory I had before, before with, with you before the world began. He gave up his glory for the muck of this earth. He gave up the worship of the angels, the adoring presence of the angels for the spittle of men. He, he gave up the shining brilliance of the glories of heaven for the dark prison where he was kept before where he's kept in this earth. He emptied himself out of his glory in that sense. He also covered up his glory. He veiled it. They saw a glimpse of his glory in the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw a glimpse of his glory in his miracles. They saw a glimpse of his glory in his attitude. They saw a glimpse of his glory in his words. There were certainly glimpses even of his glory in the cross of Calvary. There was a blazing manifestation of it in the resurrection and the ascension of our Savior. But he emptied himself of some of the outward manifestation and the personal enjoyment of heavenly glory. He emptied himself. Paul sitting there in those three days after his vision began to understand this. Let me make something clear. The Lord Jesus never emptied himself of his deity. He was always God. But he emptied himself. Paul also understood in those three days as he sat blinded after his vision that Christ humbled himself. He humbled himself to come and die for you that you could but he didn't just come to die in a bed. And he didn't just come to die in a battlefield. They're noble deaths, yes. He died the criminal's death, even the death of the crows. <coughs> Did Christ once utter that he shouldn't be there? No. The truth is he shouldn't be there. We shouldn't be there. But he knew the work he needed to do. And he humbled himself for you. Paul says, let this mind be in you. He thought about this much. But Paul, Paul, he sat and he thought about the man coming and going. But I want you to see in this part that Paul, he sees himself in his testimony as he was the man going up. Paul had thought that he was the best of the best. We've read that in these verses in chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. Paul speaks about how he was the best of the best. I might, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, he says. I could have had confidence in my own flesh. If any other man thinks that he were off, he might trust in his flesh. Well, I'm more, he says. You might think you can trust in your flesh. Well, the way I was living, I could trust in my flesh even more, It says. Circumcised in the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. What's he mean by that? He says, I lived as a Jew and I was the best of Jews as touching the law, a Pharisee. The Pharisees, you see, were known for keeping the law legalistically. Every I was dotted, every T was crossed. And Paul says, as a Jew I lived perfectly. He says, as a Jew I had a right to heaven if we were right. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is all in the law, blameless, he says. I was the perfect Jew. I could have trusted in my flesh, he says. And in his opinion, he was the man going up. And Paul's joy in those days was found in the fact that he belonged to the upper class of lawkeepers, the Pharisees. That among them he was so zealous... That he had led the way in persecuting the enemies of God in his eyes, which was the church of Christ. and That he kept the law meticulously. That is where his joy was found before he met Christ. And he got his gains from belonging. He got his joy from excelling. And he felt that God approved his blameless law keeping. It was all about Paul and how good he was at keeping the law. Now in your daily reading of scripture, you often find examples of spiritual giants right from the beginning of the Old Testament right through to the end of the New. Then, I'm sure if you've ever taken an interest in reading church history, you'll have been confronted with spiritual giants, men and women of God, certain people who as Christians, children of God, stand out from the rest as giants with God and with men. From time to time, perhaps, you're tempted to ask the question, well, what makes a person a spiritual giant? Have you ever asked that question? You know those people that you read about and you think, well, they're a spiritual giant. They fought the good fight. They, they ran the race right to the end. Have you ever asked the question, what makes that person a spiritual giant? What makes, the, what, what makes the distinction that makes a person different from the run of the mill Christian? I mean, are they born that way? Are they born as people who are going to be spiritual giants? Did they have certain privileges that have allowed them to develop or evolve into such spiritual high-fliance? Now, if we were to ask the Apostle Paul, I think the answer that he would give us are these verses in Philippians 3. Indeed, the first seven verses would tell us that Paul says there's nothing in a man by nature that gives him Spirituality. Nothing in us that can set us apart. There's nothing that sets a man above the rest with God or gives him credit with God. Nothing in his own human nature can commend him in any way to God. Let me remind you that one of the greatest greatest statements that ever fell from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth is recorded for us in a number of places in the Gospel, and it's a significant enough statement that the Holy Spirit recorded it a couple of times. One of those occasions is found in Mark 8, verse 35 to 37. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He read these words in the Gospel service a number of weeks ago. You see, Paul was a man going on. But if you want to be a spiritual giant, you must make Christ your everything. We could only in our mind's eye, see Christ as Paul, saw Christ. You see, what happens here is Paul had a new appetite and a new desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his being. Paul no longer wanted to gain the world. He, he had a new appetite for Christ. And it was to seek after God and God alone. And listen to what he says in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. Paul met Christ, the son of the living God, in the Damascus road, the vision of the crucified Christ, who emptied himself, who humbled himself, and all of a sudden Paul realises, all these good things I have been doing, I am completely unworthy, I am a failure, and he sees that Christ died for him. I wonder, do you see yourself in that way? I wonder do you, what do you treasure in this world above everything else. Your jewel, your family, your education. And now Paul's gains, the things that he counted important in his life, they switched to the losses list. And what was Paul interested in now? He only had an appetite for Christ and he wanted to win Christ to use his land that I may win Christ. Even if he had to suffer for Christ, it didn't matter. Christ was his greatest treasure. Now you could say, well Peter, it's easy for Paul to give up everything for Christ. Like come on! He had a spiritual vision of the crucified Christ. He actually had a Damascus road experience. He had a tremendous and spectacular conversion. Well listen and listen well. We know from this chapter how great an expert Paul was in the law and indeed obeying the law but it wasn't his conversion and it wasn't his circumstances it wasn't his knowledge of the word of God that characterised Paul it wasn't even his Damascus Road experience that characterised Paul he was characterised here as having an insatiable appetite for Christ he had a full appetite for Christ from the moment of his conversion onward he treasured Christ above all else He wanted to win Christ. He says in verse 10, he wanted to know him, that I may know him. A.W. Tozer says every believer should have a burning desire for Christ. Did you get that? Every believer. That means you, dear brother and sister. That means me. Every (coughs) believer should have a burning desire desire for Christ. This was the desire of Paul's life and it should be yours. And Paul's prayer for the Philippian church was that their love may abound more and more in knowledge of who? Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear brother, dear sister, having an appetite to know Christ is something that you and I can have. doesn't matter how the Lord see it. You. You're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you should be praising his name. You should be glad and rejoice that the great God of wonders took an interest in you and that you are saved. What effect does the vision and understanding of the crucified Christ have on Paul well? Paul did end up becoming a spiritual giant. But it was by experiencing Christ as his treasure above everything else in this life and there was nothing to compare to look at the verse again I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and to count them but done. that I may win Christ Paul as I count everything money as lost food as lost looks as lost friends as lost. Family as lost, job and success as lost, graduation as lost, in comparison with the treasure that Christ is for me. And so how does that translate into our lives? What will this meaning of Christ being our everything, what does that look like tomorrow? What does that look like when we step out of this meeting today? well let me make it practical money is given to you so that you might use money in such a way that shows the world that money is not your treasure Christ is food is given to you so that you might eat it in such a way that the world was to follow Christ even if it meant suffering for him and that every single thing that Paul was given he would use it in such a way that people wouldn't see that he glories in those things or is proud of those things but how he uses those things that people would see is Christ is his treasure. So often we place our hearts, desires in other things when people look at us they see that our interests are elsewhere and that Christ isn't our greatest treasure Paul says that all these other things that should be is done literally the food for the dog in comparison to knowing Christ and if you know today that Christ isn't all this for you in your heart you need to go home and pray. And you need to plead all day and night if you have to. Until the Lord grips you by his spirit. And then Christ is your treasure again. Here's what Paul understood. The Lord Jesus is God in human flesh, King of kings, the regal, royal, majestic, King of the universe. There's people around him They treated Christ not only like just any man, but the worst of men. They treated him like a criminal, and Paul says, I'll give up everything to know him. He's my everything. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Saviour came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears and agony. Can you sing the chorus this afternoon? Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior. And all God's fullness dwelt in him. You see, the truth is, this afternoon, our only way up is to buy down because the one who came down is now exalted and has ascended to his rightful position at the right hand of the Father and High hallelujah and if you don't bow down now I don't know every heart who listens and maybe you've never bowed down maybe you've never placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour I don't know but let me tell you, if you don't bow dying in this life, you'll face the lost eternity. But let me tell you, one day every knee will bow. Wherefore God have also highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, that we would take this verse of Paul's, this attitude of Paul's, where he says, What things are deemed to me, I now count as loaves for Christ. We're going to sing together our closing hymn. Let's make this a prayer today, take the world, but give Jesus, all his joys are for the name. But His love abided ever, ever, through eternal years to see for the height and depth of mercy, for the length and breadth of love, for the fullness of redemption, pledge of endless life. <coughs> we'll stand and sing this prayerfully. <coughs> that the words of this hymn would be our prayer. <coughs> that Father, be careful not to just stand here and give you lip service today. That Father, if there are any idols or any treasures that we have that would mar our fellowship with thee, that Father, by your Spirit, you would help us to remove them. That we, we would make Christ our everything and our greatest treasure. That Father we would be careful to use the things that you have blessed us, the temporal blessings that we may use those things to show others that they are not our treasure but Christ is. Father we pray indeed that you would help us as we go out into another way, into a sinful and dark world live such lives that people would see that Christ is our all in all. Father, we pray for those who must leave us just now. We pray, Father, you take them each to their homes and safety. Father, for those of us who remain behind, Father, we pray that this will be a time of rich blessing. That, Father, as we remember our Saviour and how he did humble himself and empty himself, that visible glory and went to the cross of Calvary and there to die for each of our souls. We pray that it would be a time of great thanksgiving and we ask this for your glory alone and in our saviour's name. Amen.